And we are back to discuss even more Fire and Blood. This time we'll be uh, tackling the chapter, The Red Dragon and the Gold. Uh, Preston, what's up, man? How are you? I'm, I'm doing okay. How you doing? It's It's been a minute, and we're kind of recording late at night, so, you know, fair warning. We may seem a little, like, exhausted or tired, but we're, we're here, we're trekking away. Are you trying to say that trudging through through fire and blood is 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 hard this chapter specifically is very depressing especially for rainier holy shit it's super depressing yeah you know it's funny because it was it was a lot of battle stuff um and you know and just more battle stuff and you're wondering you know it's not you don't get too much into the characterization and the things that really drive stories you know i i don't actually think it's it's george r martin's best writing um, cause you know, you're not really engaged on what's going on with people so much as just hearing about battle after battle after battle. But, um, yeah, no, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a lot, a lot goes on event wise, but it's, uh, it's, um, it's, I mean, we can get into it, but it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of events and less to do with, you know, uh, you know, personal relationships, which is, I think something that people relate to more. Right. And uh, before we begin, uh, real quick, I don't know if you heard, you probably haven't because I don't, I don't think you're into it as much as I am, but um, a, the nightmare scenario for every single Ice and Fire fan has happened to another fandom. Um, Kentaro Miura, the creator of Berserk, recently died, and the, the, the similarities oh. here, yeah, the similarities here is that Berserk, to me at least, was Ice and Fire before George put pen to paper. I mean, and, I'm not I'm not even a big manga guy, and I've heard of Berserk, yeah. Right. I mean, I, yeah, I know, yeah. It's been okay. going on since 1989. It has not finished, and it may never finish. It's it, The thing has been going on longer than I've been alive, and uh, the author died a while ago uh, due to heart problems, so yeah. Uh, rest in peace to uh, Kentaro Miura. Uh, wow. So it's the nightmare scenario for every Ice and Fire fan. I, mean, I feel like I'm going to hit up like Twitter or Facebook one day and just see everybody posting about George's death. God forbid. Knock on wood. But, I mean, um, it's it's event. I mean, it's eventually going to happen. He's not going to mm. finish the, the the series, but um, you know, we're just hoping to get wins and wins of winter. But yeah, I mean, this happens a lot. I guess it ha- you know it happened to Dune. And it happened to Wheel of Time, so you know, uh, what what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? <laughs> people people are too ambitious. <laughs> that is true. So rest in peace to him. For those of you who want to check uh, out Ice and Fire before Ice and Fire, um, check out the Berser- the Berserk movies on Netflix. They're fantastic. Um, any other adaptation, please don't touch those. Um, but anyways, let's get on to Fire and Blood. So. The chapter begins in the Riverlands with Rhaenyra's supporters striking first against all Aegon supporters in the region and securing the Riverlands for the Blacks. This further solidifies uh, the whole taking of the Riverlands with Daemon taking Harrenhal. Uh, And while Rhaenyra's supporters gather, Otto Hightower spends a good chunk of time trying to rally lords to their side, which bothers Aegon II, who wants actions, not words. And after Otto tries to win over Dorne and the Free City's uh, triarchy with nothing to show for it, Aegon removes him and names Christian Cole as the new Hand. Other than beheading Rhaenyra's supporters in the dungeons, Christian Cole first sends Kingsguard Eric Cargill on an assignment to sneak onto Dragonstone and murder Rhaenyra and or her family. Um, but because Arik has a twin brother, Eric, none of the guards would suspect otherwise, making it the perfect plan, or so it would seem. Uh, before Eric can 
reach Rhaenyra or her family, he, he runs into his twin brother on Dragonstone, and the two fight each other to the death. Uh, this is insanely hilarious and sad at the same time because... Oh, yeah. I struggled for a minute during their fight to find to remember which one is which Eric and well Eric. you're you're supposed you're supposed to confuse them right I love that though. I mean you want to you know jump to my notes about Eric and Arik mm. the because uh, I mean I, I God God my my notes are long on this on this goddamn chapter um my my notes my notes are <laughs> man. There, there sure are plenty of mistaken identities in Ice and Fire, especially with twins. Jamie and Cersei left and right, the Drinkwater twins. Aaron and Emmerich on the wall. Gilly's sisters. Not to mention things like Mance and Rattleshirt. Perhaps the Risewell brothers in Winterfell. Rosamund and Marcella. Perhaps Quentin. You know, it, it's, it's really ridiculous because I've met a lot of twins in my life. I have never met twins that i couldn't differentiate one from the other as much as this is like a, such a trope in writing that oh twins can take each other's place i've never met twins where one is where one can be you know switched up for the other i have some very very good friends who who, who are identical twins who people say that about and i'm like they say it but come on like i look at them I'm like no you can totally tell the difference like yeah they're close but there's, they're complete. Like I can totally tell the difference. So it's ridiculous that there's so many mistaken identity, like twin things going on, um, in Ice and Fire. Like ridiculous trope. Like it's ridiculous that it's done over and over and over again. Um, by the way, it just occurred to me, and when 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 doing this twin thing, do you think Jamie? Will ever dress up like Cersei to try to infiltrate the castle? God, I hope not. That would be so weird. God, right? I hope but, not. But but like Ugh. but like I, it doesn't work. I mean, right? Because this is what happens here, right? One king's guard dresses up like the other. I mean, I guess he didn't have to do much to dress up. I don't up, think Jamie and Cersei look that much alike as adults. they're supposed to look identical. Supposed to, like 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 Bran describes them as looking at a, as as seeing them as mirror images. Well, Bran's a child, and ch- children exaggerate. There's no way Jamie and Cersei look that. And when when identical. they were when they were young, Cersei used to dress up like Jamie, right? And their mothers the couldn't time. tell them yeah. apart, right? Couldn't tell them apart, yeah. which is ridiculous, right? <laughs> it's ridiculous. But, but take that last scene in like season eight, like you know how Jamie's trying to infiltrate and get into the <laughs> get into the castle at the end. Yeah, wouldn't have been hilarious if like his way to get in is to dress up like Cersei. God, that would be fun. Ridiculous, but fun. I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that much. <laughs> I mean, it's just ridiculous. I mean, have you ever met two twins that are that are indistinguishable? Looks wise, obviously, like you know, but personality wise, yeah, there you you could usually tell them apart. I remember this one kid. Um, I would always greet one. I was always greet them both, and one guy would be like, "Hey, Carmine, what's up?" Very friendly. The other guy would be like, "Uh." Nah. Yeah, but then like, there's okay. usually something on the face you know like yeah. one guy has you know has has you know darker circles or one guy has a broader jaw or some guy has a wider nose there's always something that's that's little you know human beings are very good at detecting very small changes uh in, in, you know on humans like like we're built for it faces faces relatively speaking are very similar but we're our brains are are hardwired to find very small differences and and highlight them. This is why, like, 
we can't tell chimpanzees' faces apart, but we can tell human faces apart, or we can't tell cat faces apart, but we can tell human faces apart because we're hardwired to look at human faces and tell them apart. You know, like, so it's, it's just, it's stupid. It's so stupid that there's this many twins. Anyway, that's my rant. That's my rant on the twins. So I think this is really, I, and I don't know if I'm laughing at George or if I'm laughing at the Maesters and he's doing this, you know, on, on purpose. But like the Dance of the Dragons entering a new stage after Luke and, and after Luke um, dies, right? Luke and Jaehaerys dies. And now how it's, now it's really, you know, they've upped the ante and, and everything's about vengeance. It's like, I'm sorry, didn't Damon already like scorch the Riverlands and like take Harrenhal? Like, you don't think at this point it's like already war? You know, the fact that they have to be like, well, now it's really war. You're like, come on. (laughs) (laughs) For real this time. It sounds like it was war before. Um, Then the other thing was weird. Um, The Brackens uh, are attacked by raiders. um, And you're supposed to wonder if it's the Blackwoods. Um... And it's weird that he they blame religion. They're like the Blackwoods are the last ones south of the neck that um, worship the old gods. And you're like, okay, but we haven't even established yet that the Starks, like what side the Starks are on. In fact, later on, the Ravens get sent to the Starks to try to get them to each side. So like, why would the Blackwoods religion be relevant to who the, whose side they're on now if they haven't even reached out to the Starks yet or the Starks haven't really made their statement. It doesn't make much sense to me. I think the Starks kind of did uh, throw in. I forgot which one of her sons went to Winterfell because it's like, I think, I think it was Yeah, Jay. yeah, Oh, he, he does. He goes up there. But yeah. like, but later they try to, they try to send ravens and everything. So I don't know. It's all, it's, it's weird how, how they put a lot of cart before the horse by saying, oh, well, the Blackwoods like already jumped in. Like the Starks, um, like Jace, was supposed to marry somebody eventually down the line, but uh, and then maybe he, he then he had the whole thing with 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 the bastard girl, um, Sarah Snow. Sa- Sarah, yeah, Sarah Snow. Is it Sarah Sansa? Sarah Snow. Sarah Snow, I believe. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe something else happened that. Um, that that locked the Starks in earlier. Interestingly enough, like all that's not in Princess and the Queen, and this was added. That extra Stark stuff was added for Fire and Blood, and I wonder if George, I I, I wonder if George added that, knowing that the series has to have more Starks in it. You know, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. I mean, it, there's two things going on. Like Princess and the Queen is supposedly abridged, but then and then. Fire and Blood could be the unabridged or it could be that George added something later. Because there's some other stuff that's added in here that that def- that definitely makes my, my um makes me raise an eyebrow. Like what? Um, um like Mushroom being Rhaenyra's advisor. That was mm, we'll get to that's, that, but that was yeah. a little like really Yeah, I mean that is not in Princess and the Queen, and it is so reminiscent, obviously, of Tyrion being advisor for Daenerys that you have to go, huh? What? Where did this mushroom puts the the brilliant idea of the whole dragon sea thing? Which, yeah, um, yeah, that that was a little, and that's all added. Um, But anyway, the weirdness with the raiders, of course, um, in in the Riverlands, of course, like this is clearly a reference to the raiding of 
Mummer's Forge, uh, Sharer and Wendish Town, you know, where, where um, that raiding happens and then they come to King's Landing and you have these peasants telling these weird stories to Ned and then Ned sends off Dondarrion to find the mountain and then the mountain is ambushed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, wh- that scene is so weird and I like, because it seems like the peasants are all lying because their stories don't make any sense. And I don't know why, like, what George is doing, because it ended up not leading to anything. Um, he even recalls it in A Dance with Dragons with a bunch of, like, weird lying peasants coming to Danny and talking about Astapor. And you're like, I, I don't know what George is going on. You know, like, was, was, the, was the rating on, you know, uh, Mummer's Ford, Sherer, and Wendishtown real or not? Um you know, did the mountain really do it? Because the stories don't make any sense at all, but it seems like the mountain did it. Uh, it's so it's so odd, and I don't know why George R. R. Martin keeps focusing on this really odd piece in A Game of Thrones. Uh, it, it, it's so much so that, like, they kept it in the show. They, like, they're clearly lying in the show. Um, they switch whether it's, like, Varys instigating stuff to to Littlefinger instigating stuff. They switch it, but there's clearly like an, a weird instigation of trying to get um, uh, Eddard to start a war. And it's, it's, it's a very odd scene. It's odd that George R. R. Martin is now bringing it up for the third time, um, you know, and I don't know. I always think there's something fishy going on and people, some people are like pressed and you're, you're reading into something that's crazy or other people are like, yeah, I think George did something and then he just forgot about it. That seems but, like, like a likely explanation. Yeah. Like he put in something super fishy where like all the stories don't add up and then he just never, he never went back to it. Right. Remember like all the religious people going to the wall and then nothing ever coming of it. Right. Yeah. Dropped plot of a clash of Kings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> The uh, so another thing that I thought was interesting is that uh, so Damon is leading the Dairies, the Roots, the Pipers, and the Freys um, in on his side on the uh, the Black side in the Dance of the Dragons, which means the Dairies and the Freys rivalry is not from the dance. Like, you know, in A Feast for Crows, how there's this, like, listed rivalry of the, the dairies and the fr- the phrase, like, their their bodies are washing up on the quiet aisle, and he's like, Bracken and Blackwood, Derry and Frey, and you're like, why do the dairies and phrase hate each other? And, I'm, you know, I'm not... I always assume, like, almost all the Riverland houses hate the phrase to some extent, because <laughs> everybody just seems to, like, hate a fray. But there's a couple intermarriages with the dairies and the phrase. I don't know why there would be a dairy fray rivalry, but it's it's a weird mystery because here they're on the same sides again. So maybe I don't know sure if it's from the Blackfire Rebellion or or because the Freys were in the second Blackfire Rebellion, the Freys were were hinting at joining the Blackfires, and the Dairies were of course very anti-Blackfire. Or it might be from Robert's Rebellion that the Dairies were so behind the Targaryens, and the Freys were kind of like, eh, well, we're gonna see who who wins. So I don't know. So something that comes later. Um, uh, let's see, let's see, Aaron, uh, Heron Hall, the situation of Heron Hall falling makes Aegon wor- worry. I, you know, I, I wrote, um, yeah, totally should since Heron Hall is, is key to the crossing of the Trident and forces from the North. Um, this is a huge plot point 
in almost all of the wars is who takes Harrenhal or Lord Haraway's town or, or that crossing there. Um, uh, the second Blackfire Rebellion, the whole wedding with Butterwell is all about that crossing. Um, and so, you know, if you don't control Harrenhal in that area, you know, the North can come in and invade King's Landing. Um, let's see. There, uh, there's a reference about Dorne rejects join, joining, and then Otto Hightower makes a reference to thrones are won with swords, not quills. That's clearly a reference to the Red Wedding, it being flipped, you know? Oh, that's a, um, nice, that's a nice catch. I didn't catch that yeah. good shit. Yeah, and then... Um, and then there's a whole bunch of people join um, the Blacks, all the Hightower vassals, Mullendore, Castane, Beesbury, um, and, and um, uh, the Tarleys, who, who I don't know if the Tarleys aren't Hightower vassals, but they're, near, they're close enough to the lands that, that they, they've essentially had the Hightower surrounded. And the Tyrells go neutral. So the Hightowers really have their, their work cut out for them. So the war is not looking great, considering that the Blacks have conquered the the uh the riverlands pretty much and the huge power in the in the reach the uh the high towers have their work cut out for them completely surrounded by their vassals um let's see the uh, bureaucracy stops the three sisters from joining um and this causes oh yeah um which is a big deal considering that the three sisters in in um not not the not the three sisters like the uh, the three islands um, off of White Harbor, but the three sisters as in like Mir, Tyrosh, and, and uh, Lice. Um, they they would hate Damon because Damon fought them uh, for the Stepstones mm-hmm. for, for, with his wars there. So really, it should be a given that those that those forces join, but bureaucracy delays them and this causes Aegon to not like Otto Hightower and he dumps him and gives the handship to Cole which is um kind of invented you know I, I guess they needed a reason but it's like you know he had no control over that um and then they start Cole starts executing people in the dungeons unless they plead fealty um and you know it was kind of a mystery whether Beesbury uh, died during that great council meeting or if he dies here, but I guess it doesn't matter now because he's going to die one way or the other. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Which... I was actually very surprised how a good chunk of the people would rather die than swear to Aegon. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, after the Blackwater, a few people do that, but not many. Most people bend the knee. Mm-hmm. So, uh... so um, next up after Cole sends uh, one of the, the King's guard to the assassination and that fails, he would march on the lands of the lords that would have joined Rhaenyra's side and punish them. On one such occasion, Rhaenys, the queen who never was, flies over from Dragonstone to Rook's Rest to help one of Rhaenyra's supporters, who Cole had laid siege to. This, however, was a part of the plan. As Rhaenys and her dragon fought the men on the ground, she was caught unaware by two dragons, Aegon, King Aegon on Sunfire and Aemon on Vagar. Now, alone, mm. Rhaenys probably could have taken one of those dragons on, but not two. And as such... By the time the battle was done, Rhaenys and her dragon had died, while King Aegon had suffered gruesome injuries. Aemon, who came out of the fight with his dragon unharmed, assumed the role of protector of the realm and kept Cole on as hand of the king. Yeah, now this battle, this battle over in, in Cracklaw Point, uh, there's some interesting stuff here. The um, so Duskendale, so he, they go in and they um, 
you know, they, they need to they need to take the the lands up until Harrenhal. So this this all makes sense strategically. I'm actually reading the Dance of the Dragons and all the movements. I'm like, okay, George is really paying attention uh, on the logic of this war, um, which he doesn't do for say Robert's Rebellion. <laughs> but like like the Dance of the Dragons is a very logical war if you look at the movements and and the geography and everything. Um, but he, uh, so Cole needs, Cole knows that Hall is the key, but he needs to push forces outside and take for, uh, take land closer to Hall to create a buffer between it and King's Landing. Um, and so he takes Duskendale and then I, they, uh, I think they kill all the Darklands, which is, which is clearly done because Stefan Darkland, the Kingsguard had defected. Because there's no reason that they should have been so harsh to the Darklands here, which which obviously is supposed to remind us of the of the defiance of Duskendale, mm-hmm. um, and and how Ares was so harsh to the Darklands then. Uh, to ask the question, are we really guilty for our family's sins? You know, and in, in Ice and Fire, apparently a lot we like they start <laughs> punishing people for for what other people do. But um, then there's there's a uh, there's still no attack on King's Landing, and there is a debate over why, which of course mirrors the show. Did you did you uh, did you write anything down about that? No, I I just I try to forget like how how dumb that was that Danny just didn't go for it immediately. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's it was just it was ridiculous. But I know it, it does here, happen here. They don't here. here they do here the excuse is that Rhaenyra is is out of it. That she's emotionally out of it because of her dead son, and Corlys and Rhaenys, the queen who never was, are really in charge. Um, and so, you know, for me, it I, seemed I more like Vagar was the true threat. That there's no yeah. way they could take Vagar, even with like they needed heavy numbers on their side, and she wasn't willing to risk her children who had dragons that could ride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was a pretty big, pretty big battle in Cracklaw Point. Um, and it's a pretty significant thing that, you know, um, uh, Rhaenys and Maelys die and that Sunfire is, and Aegon are injured. And um, of, course, <laughs> of course, like when Rhaenys dies, uh, she's unrecognizable <laughs> because, of course, it's George. You know, why not? You know, could have been a body switch. <laughs> <laughs> Never know. She's she she I think she. um Oh uh, no! It's later on. Somebody else is is four days dying. But yeah, Rhaenys is unrecognizable. Fine, okay. So it's interesting is that uh, Aemond Aegon is out of it after this, and so Aemond is now the is now ruling things and running things, which is a pretty obvious Blood Raven reference because like when Blood they both have one eye, um, they're both a little harsher and crueler than the than the actual like king. You know, so uh, under Blood Raven, it was it was Aenys the f- uh, second, and or was it Ares the first? I'm confusing their names, but whatever the case is, Blood Raven was um was was ruling uh it in uh the king's stead, um while uh, and here Aemond is ruling in their stead, but uh um. The uh, and then I have here mushroom becoming the advisor, just like Tyrion to Danny. 
All right, so what happened? What happens next? Um, well, in the aftermath of the whole uh, battle at Rook's Rest, Rhaenyra's family realized that they had a golden opportunity that could end their biggest obstacle to taking King's Landing, Vagar. With Sunfire unable to fly and Aegon's wife unwilling to fly Dreamfire, the Blacks could swarm Aemon and Vagar and take them out. But because Vagar was the biggest dragon, they would need numbers on their side, which they did not have, until Mushroom proposed using dragon seeds to fix this. Uh, real quick, tell the audience what dragon seeds are. <laughs> dragon seeds. Oh, this is a big deal. Uh, dragon seeds are um, people on Dragonstone who uh, are are bastards or descendants of bastards from Targaryens. So the Targaryens on Dragonstone and presumably on uh, Driftmark and and perhaps um, Claw Isle, uh, they had they they had Lord. There, there was Lord's right to the first night on these um, on these islands, and so Targaryens could essentially go and have sex with um, any newlywed women, and um, before before their actual um, husbands could, just like um, in the North, which had Lord's right to the first night, and um, so because of this, you end up having all of these uh, bastards, um, Targaryen descended bastards, running around the islands. Um, and apparently, apparently people loved it according to the history. <laughs> they loved it. The gods got to bang their wives. I'm sure. I'm sure people loved it. <laughs> the one thing I find weird in regards to the show is the show portrays Dragonstone as a very small island with no towns mm. or anything like yeah. that. Um, so I wonder if they're going to, if this is truly a prequel, if they're going to keep Dragonstone as having a town because... Like, even go back to the show, like, Google image search, like, an aerial view of Dragonstone, it's literally a small island with a castle on it, and that's it. Yeah. There's no towns. Yeah. I don't even think there's a port anywhere. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, hmm. But and so one of, the, one, of, one of the theories I have is that is that Daenerys, because Daenerys was supposedly um, born on Dragonstone, but uh, she could, you know, I was saying that she could easily have just been some random... Um, dragon seed child that they picked up from a local to pose as an actual um, uh, daughter of of um, Ares the second. You know that that it's it's a little it's a little um, contrived that Daenerys's mother, who had a long long history of of birthing problems. Um, had her just at the nick of time during the storm and that maybe they just, you know, they needed it. Viserys wanted somebody to broker marriage, to have marriage alliances, have that value. And so that he just grabbed a, he just grabbed a random bastard girl and was like, yeah, this is, this is my sister. Why not? I mean, this wouldn't be the or, first time that we, that this has been accused of in the story. Isn't that the whole thing behind fake Aegon? Sure, it's the, it's the theory behind fake Aegon. I mean, you've it's it's um, it's a popular it's, one with it, like John. It's Arya, it's Arya, and it's Arya and Jane Poole situation up in up in um, Winterfell. Mm -hmm. People people paying uh, weddings and marriages with false coin. I mean, people people paying. Um, in fact, uh, or hostage situations in general, like um, at the Wall, uh, uh, Tormund tries to hand over to. Um, two girls instead of two boys, you know, in, in a hostage situation. Um, so, yeah, pay, paying paying hostage situations and and marriage alliances are essentially 
hostage situations. Um, <laughs> the, uh, uh, and so you're just paying with false coin. You don't have it. So why not? You know. I have to wonder if they're even going to have Mushroom in the prequel show because it'll be way too much of a Tyrion parallel, and that's kind of lame. I mean... Mm. I feel like they... I I feel like they should, right? He's... he's this is one of the things just... I think they should omit would be, like, the character of Mushroom because, once again, um, whoever they choose to play that that character, it would have to be a little person, and, and oh, my God, right. the weight of Tyrion... Uh, Peter Dinklage? Oh my god. And all the parallels, it would be just kind of lame. The thing is, is like anytime anytime he said something clever, everyone would be like, oh, there's the dink. Right? <laughs> right. Because in a sense, he is the fool, so he's supposed to be smart and clever. He's supposed to be saying funny things. But the problem is, is they made show Tyrion into the joke teller. Um... I mean, I don't know. Book Book Tyrion tells his jokes, but they don't they don't try to make it. I mean, he tells his jokes, but um, the jokes are few and far between compared to like the show, which just seems to be comic relief scene after comic relief scene, especially in the later seasons. You know? Nothing for him, but um, yeah, nothing else for him except to to, to say to say one liners. Yeah. So Mushroom proposes the idea to use dragon seeds to fix this whole uh, numbers issue, and as such, the red sowing would commence an event where men and women from all over Dragonstone and the other isles would come to try and mount a dragon to fight for the blacks. A few rose from this deadly trial, Hugh the Hammer, Adam of Hull, Ulf the White, and Nettles. And before mm. the attack on King's Landing could unfold, uh, Otto Hightower's request for, for an alliance from the Free Cities was granted. Uh, just in time. 90 ships from Mir, Lys, and Tyrosh set out to meet the Valerian fleet at Gullet. But before this fleet arrives there, they come across Rhaenyra's sons, Viserys and Aegon mm-hmm. the Younger, on their way to Pentos for safety. Um, however, Aegon escapes on his dragon, and Viserys is captured. The fleet yeah. still arrives to meet the Valerian... V- Viser- Viserys, who, who tries to do a Prince and the Pauper... Sw- swap thing again like this whole mistaken identity thing where he tries to you know i guess swap himself out like 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 young griff or whoever mm-hmm. yeah so um there, there's there's there, oh there's i was t- gonna talk about um adam of hull's parentage for a second oh i have that written down in my notes we can discuss that towards the end if you don't mind okay sure, that was sure. that was a little funny to me and then uh nettles nettles um, how she rides a dragon is also very important. Because um, unlike Ulf the White, Hugh the Hammer, and Adam of Hull, they seem to have some sort of uh, psychic bond with a dragon. But Nettles, the same way Daenerys would or whoever, they, you know, they, they, whatever, whatever Targaryens have in their blood, in their genetic code that makes them uh, bond to dragons in the same way that Starks can bond to direwolves or whatever, um, you know they're doing, but Nettles doesn't. Despite being a, supposedly a dragon seed, Nettles doesn't do that. Nettles puts down food, has sheep stealer eat the food, get groggy, and then she mounts the dragon, and then the dragon gets used to her because, like, like you know, one would ride a, a regular horse you know like you, you don't have a regular you don't have a psychic bond with a regular horse but you know you can you can tame a regular horse um she tames a reg, a dragon without that psychic bond um and so it, it's it's a little interesting because quentin attempts this 
strategy in a dance with dragons um you know feeding it feeding it uh food and and then trying to mount it but well quentin was clearly impatient in this and his approach was not as subtle yeah i mean we don't know i mean again you know most people would say that quentin isn't successful you know i would say that maybe he is um but you know it's uh eh, but who knows i mean he tried you know he also thinks he has a he has a blood connection but clearly you know doesn't happen i want to come back to this uh uh afterwards but the uh, Triarchy fleet arrives to meet the Valerion forces. Some manage to land on Driftmark and lay waste to most of the island, destroying Spicetown and setting fire to the Valerian castle of High Tide. All of the wealth and the treasure the, sne- the Sea Snake has amassed from his time in the east went up in flames. And in the end, the Triarchy retreated from the battle, but not before the Valerions lost a third of their fleet, and a casualty on Rhaenyra's side is uh, Jace and his dragon are dead. Despite the Pyrrhic victory at Gullet, the defeat of the Black supporters in the Reach, and the loss of her own son, Rhaenyra still was determined to win the throne or die trying. However... To, to, to win, but not really win, right? Right. You know. And despite her resolve, Aemon still feels as though the true threat was Daemon Targaryen, the rogue prince. Uh, in Harrenhal, still. But instead of waiting for backup from the Baratheons and his brother Daeron, Aemon set out with his army in an attempt to defeat the Blacks situated in the Riverlands. However, the chapter ends when Aemon marches to meet Daemon, but Daemon has flown around this force and arrives in King's Landing with Rhaenyra to take the city, with the help of some of his supporters still within the city. And very, and very significantly, it says that Rhaenyra does not join the battle. She only lands when everything is super safe. Um... Again, like there's been no point in which, um, uh, uh, what's his face with the mirror shield, whoever could, could, uh, could try to approach Cyrax. Tyrion is wrong <laughs> about his assessment of, of, of who, of which dragon, um, you know, or, uh, let's see, you gotta, I have to, I have to, I have to bring it up again. Yes. Um, Byron Swan. Yes. Byron Swan tried to uh, tried to walk up uh, and it's clearly, you know, Tyrion thinks he did it to Cyrax and that Maester Munkin was in, in error. But in fact, Tyrion's wrong because there's no point. There's no point in the war in which anybody has a chance to to sneak up on Cyrax. It just just doesn't happen. The the notes I have here is that Lenor, who was supposedly a homosexual, had two sons with a woman named Mouse, but this is disputed yeah. as likely being Corlys's sons, not Lenor's. Um, this yeah. reminds me of uh, Robert's whole thing with Cersei of how he wanted to get Maya Stone uh, and and have her live in King's Landing, but Cersei uh, and her fiery temper would not have it. Uh, kind of reminds me of that. So let let's let's go the other way though. Mm. Hold on. Let's say for a second. Let's put forward the argument that I don't necessarily think this is this is the case, but let's say let's put forward the, the case that Lenor is actually heterosexual, okay, um, and that you know every and that they're trying to def, like they're trying to to um, uh, defame him, you know, claim that you know claim that he's gay in order to say that his children are bastards. Like, what if Lenor? is actually the father, the true father of Luke, Jace, and Joffrey, and he's heterosexual. Now, here in this situation, Corlys claims paternity 
over Adam of Hull. But what if Lenor is actually really Adam of Hull's father? You could understand why that would be uh, insulting to Rhaenyra. And he wouldn't want to, they, didn't, they wouldn't want to uh, insult Rhaenyra so that Corlys would, could, take, could take the heat and claim that the bastard is his. Okay, that's a good point. I mean, just like Eddard claimed, you know, John is his bastard, you know, for various reasons. Would be a nice parallel, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it, could be, it could be that Laenor is heterosexual the whole time. His children are, are trueborn. What a fucking and, twist. <laughs> and Adam and Hall is, is actually his bastard, and Corlys has just taken the heat. So the chapter I actually quite enjoyed. I thought it was good. I, I know you're a little uh, lukewarm on it because of the battles and all that, but I, I kind of like it when the dragons are involved in a sense. It, it shakes things up nicely, and you know, especially with the dragon seeds as well. It's, it's, it's a nice little twist in the whole thing. Uh, but uh, no, I, I actually enjoyed the chapter. I, I liked it a lot. Oh, there's one last thing. Um, Laurie Strong disappears, but is still working in King's Landing secretly, just like Varys does, um, you know, between um, the end of A Storm of Swords and his reappearance at the end of A Dance with Dragons. I forgot the, I forgot the, the jailer that, that Varys pretends to be. Fuck, what's his name again? Rugen. Rugen, Rugen yeah. the jailer. Um, which, which, I mean, I guess if Laurie is able to disappear so easily, I would guess that he knows about the um the secret passages which you know would would fit into my blood and cheese theory (laughs) (laughs) that you know i find it insane how um they would have they probably maybe perhaps could have prevented uh king's landing from being taken so easily had had uh i always forget her name uh aegon's wife um helena yeah, yeah, yeah. How if she just rode Dreamfire, she probably could have fended off both of them, or at least one of them. I think Dreamfire. I mean, I don't know. She Helena was pretty young, you know. I understand that Dreamfire is sizable, but but um, I have to see what, how old Helena was when she died. Um, I might be I might be misremembering her age. Ah, uh, she's she's fair. She's fairly old. She's 21, actually. So you're right. She could have. She could have. And I, I will say, like, I don't know, maybe I'm being silly, but I just I find it kind of weird and hilarious that Alicent gives Rhaenyra the keys to the Red <laughs> Keep, you know? It's just, I, I don't know. I, I just assume that someone takes, like, like a castle. They get the keys in some <laughs> shape or form. But the fact that the Red Keep has keys, like a car that she just gives, uh, just, a little, just a little funny to me. I mean... We didn't hear about these keys at any other time. <laughs> it's just, I'm sorry, I, I ran, it's so random to me. <laughs> yeah, it is a little, it is a little random. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I like the chapter. I thought it was great. Just so much happens at once. I know. You know? It's like 30 pages and, and like it's, what is this? Like at least, not half, but at least one third, maybe a quarter of uh, the entire dance? I mean, this this should be this should be an entire season of of House of the Dragon. An entire so season, you know what? I think you might be right. Was it season two right here? These thirty pages, maybe season two. These thirty pages. <laughs> there's so many. There's so many little theories that like, you know, like that, that come out of this. You know, um, you know, how does Nettles? How does Nettles um, ride a dragon? Who's who's the parentage of? of adam of hall um you know uh 
why are these different people, um, you know, fighting for various sides? Um, did did Rainies really die in uh, in Crackle Point? <laughs> what happened to the dragon eggs? Um, you know, with 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 Viserys um, on the ship. Uh, you know, what was really going on in that in that brother versus brother Kingsguard battle? Um, I don't know. It's uh, there's a lot. A lot goes on. So I was gonna say, it, it, it seems like almost anyone can ride a dragon or tame a dragon. However, those that have the Valyrian blood in them have a special buff, like maybe a five-plus five buff to uh, riding one, whereas everybody else has a negative 10 debuff to riding a fucking <laughs> dragon, and you have to be super lucky and get really good rolls. Uh, maybe. I, I think it's just that Nettles is supposed to be clever and, and fearless. Right, I mean, she's a little, she's a little Asha Arya, right? You know, the the the, the character that, the the archetype character that George R. R. Martin loves, like the little little tomboyish, uh, fearless, fearless girl. You know, that um, is gonna is gonna do something like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, maybe maybe they'll cast maybe they'll cast. Um, Maisie Williams for 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 nettles. <laughs> oh God! It, it yo. If she, oh, I wish I I so wish she had a cameo <laughs> so I could like pay her to give you a shout out. <laughs> but she does not have a cameo. In, instead, you instead you're gonna get me. You're gonna get me a, a birthday gift of 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 um of. Uh, Braun? Braun? No. I don't even think he's on there as is well. He on I'll get you, I'll uh, get you, um... Ed, Ed, Dollar said is on there. I'll get you I the dude you... who played, um... Uh, fuck. Oh my god, I'm forgetting his name. The... Young Hodor? The, the, the Gold Cloak's commander that John beheads. Fuck, I forgot his name. <gasps> oh, a Janus Slit. Janus Slit. He's the closest to Allardine you're gonna get, so might as well. <laughs> might as well. <laughs> Oh gosh, I mean, um, I mean, there, there, there's a few. I mean, Cersei's on there. Oh Lena no, Lena Headey does not give a fuck. She does not. <laughs> I know we went off on this. She did. Lena Headey. If you go, by the way, for the audience who are curious, cameo is this like service where you go and some celebrities are on there and you pay them upwards of like two hundred fifty to two hundred bucks for like a specialized message for yourself or for a friend or loved one. Yeah. And uh, some Game of Thrones actors are on there. You know. Not the ones you'd want, but the other characters you kind of don't want. Um. With, with, with the exception, actually, they, they just got um, they just got Ian uh, McKilney. No way. Let me see this. Yeah. No way. Bullshit. So, what is he? What is he? Yeah. Let me see this. 100, 150 bucks. Hundred. Oh, uh, right. They got and they got David Bradley. David Bradley. Yeah. Um, but yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. Normally, it's people. Yeah, it's people like um, like the guy who plays uh, uh, Umber and stuff like that, you know, or the guy that played Rhaegar in the flashback. Like, you know, like really, <laughs> <laughs> don't you want to pay thirty dollars for Toby Osmond, the dude who 
who played the new Prince of Dorne in season eight for three minutes. You don't want to pay thirty bucks for that. You're an asshole. You're an asshole if you don't pay for some, that. Some of them are all. I mean, look at that. He's t- the guy who played Rhaegar in the flashback is two hundred dollars. That makes no sense. Dollars. God. That makes no sense. For two hundred dollars, you could get like. You could get Barris and Selmy for 150. <laughs> why? Why would I pay for Raycar's flashback guy? That's ridiculous. Shireen, Shireen, Shireen is a bargain. Shireen is is only forty five dollars. You yeah. could get you could get uh, Dominic uh, Dominic Carter for fifty dollars plus um, Barris and Selmy for one forty. There you go for the pr- two actors. The price of one. That's a steal right there. Yeah, yeah. There's. <laughs> Oh, Pycelle is on Pycelle there? Pycelle is oh, still man. alive? Jesus Christ. Hodor is on there for, for a generous 99? There you go. Anyways, we're, we're getting off track here. So Fire and Blood. <laughs> <laughs> Fire and Blood. Uh, like I said, good chapter. I enjoyed it. Um, the next one, Rhaenyra Triumphant. And then afterwards, Rhaenyra, well, what is it? Dethroned? Defeated? Something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's going, it's going. We're 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 working there. We're almost we're getting. We're there. getting there. Uh, watch the watch the moment we finish. George announces it. Oh, I can feel it. I can feel it. Well, you know, it it would be nice. It would be nice to get this done before House of the Dragon comes out. Oh, um, we're definitely gonna get this done before House of the Dragon comes out. Yeah, because I mean, this is this is what it's gonna be about. We gotta we have to we have to know this material in and out, and. Ah. Uh, uh, yeah, Preston, any yeah. last uh, thoughts on this chapter? Uh, no, no. I mean, just a lot of action. Um, but um, I don't know. If, yeah, like, as I said, fairly fairly impressed that George was was paying attention to the map and paying attention to the battles. But uh, it's a lot of it's set up for next time, actually, especially with the dragon seeds. Because what happens to the dragon seeds is really, um, I mean, that changes the whole war. And, and that's all next time. I love how... Eamon sets off and he goes, all right, we're going to go to Harrenhal. It's going to take us 16 days to get there. I'm like, really? Yeah. Is that, is that a reference? Do you think that was a reference to, to Stannis's March? And they're like, oh, the number of days it's going to get, you know, going to take. And then they, they don't have the estimation, right? I don't think it's a reference to Stannis's March. More so it, it's, it's semi, maybe I'm being a little too paranoid, semi shade at the showrunners for how ridiculous like the whole map marching thing oh, was yeah. because yeah, they they also enough. kind of do it in the sense where i remember it took alisane uh, a couple of days to reach the wall from winterfell so just flying right mm-hmm, just flying yeah so, uh yeah i i feel like it's just small shade small shade but i like that he kept that in there <laughs> uh regardless guys thank you so much for joining us and we will be back next time to discuss more fire and blood as always we'll see you next time have a good one